Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast exists because of the paid members at DecodingTV.com. Sign up for ad-free episodes as well as early access to episodes and support this podcast and keep it going. Thanks to all the members at DecodingTV.com for making this podcast possible. Did I hook you good, let you take me out and spend money on this and that? I did, but you got to believe me, honey. I never, ever thought that you'd get hurt like as bad as this anymore. No. There's nothing... You can say, you have broken my heart and also my leg. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast about television. I am David Chen. I'm Sarah Mars. On today's episode of Decoding TV, we're going to be discussing Justified City Primeval, Episode 7, The Smoking Gun. You can find more episodes of the show at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find us across all platforms, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and threads at Decoding TV. We are going to be discussing uh, our overall thoughts on Episode 7 before diving into a spoiler-filled recap of the episode and then wrapping up with some of our favorite quotes. So, this is the penultimate episode. We only got one episode left after the Sarah Mars. What do you think overall of Episode 7? I'm very disappointed, very let down. Very upset. Not in okay. the episode itself. In Not by the that episode. Happened in the episode. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I thought this was a pretty solid episode of Justified. Again, similar feeling to last episode, where a lot of different plot lines are starting to collide and bump up against each other, and really pay off. I mean. What's great about this season of television is they introduce all these side characters at the beginning, and pretty much every single one of them has come back into play uh, by this episode, other than Raylan Gibbons' daughter. Yeah, other than Willa, (laughs) who, credit where it's due, she's not being a dumb kid. Like, she's not being a dumb TV kid. She has stayed in Florida, out of the way, out of trouble, not causing drama, so... I, I, I mean, think I got I got say four episodes on her, but credit where it's due. She is at least uh, absorbing the lesson of not getting in her dad's way. <laughs> you know, I hate, hate to pat myself on the back, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I called this. Uh, it, no, it you did. Out, yeah. It played out basically exactly as I said it would. So I, I thought uh, they were setting her up to be like a, right. a like a troublemaker. Like she's going to come yeah. back and do something stupid. But yeah, I'm glad that she didn't. Like I'm glad that there's some sense. Some of Winona and Raylan has rubbed off on her. Well, I think that uh, the the function of Willa, if I'm to guess, right, is to give Raylan some more emotional stakes for getting out of Detroit. Right? And, and like, as I, as I said before, I don't think we needed to see her physically for that to work. Mm, I think just, yeah. I think just a hint at the beginning that he's trying to get there to spend his time with her and being held mm-hmm, up would have yeah. been enough. I do think in a longer, like in the, the standard justified 13 episode season arc, there might have been more room 
to do something interesting with Willa. But, you know, we've said before, like TV seasons are often like they're still writing as they're filming. And and that's why a writer's work is never done. And it's important that they be on set. Um, and that's why the strike is happening. <laughs> um, but it, it might be that they just realized they were running out of runway and weren't yeah. going to be able to fit her in in a meaningful way. And thus back to Florida she goes. I do think that the way the show has structured itself around Willa does does feel to me like they changed course because like yeah, why would we have spent does. that much time on that character if we're not gonna if she's not gonna play a, a, an integral role to the plot this it season? It really felt like they were setting something up and then might have realized oh we don't actually have time for this like there's yeah. too much going on with Sweetie and Carolyn and the gun and Sandy and the Albanians like that is so much. So again, in like the 13 hour standard justified season, maybe there would have been a little bit more room for Willa, but I think they realized, oh, we don't actually, oops, we don't actually have room for this character. <laughs> or or they realized, as we discussed in testing, maybe uh, Willa's not the most popular character. So yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so uh, no Willa this episode. I suspect she will uh, come into play next episode. I think you're right that in a longer season, we might have seen some phone calls with Willa or something throughout the season, but uh, alas, it was not to be. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, you usually do a great job of running down uh, some of the people that worked on this week's episode and uh, whether or not they were part of the original Justified series. What's the case with that uh, this week on episode seven, The Smoking Gun? Um, so this episode was directed by Catrell Kindred, who is new to Justified. Um, she really broke out in 2018 with a short film called War Paint, which the last I knew was on Vimeo that you could find it there. Um, it's a really good short film. It won a prize at Sundance. And then it is written by uh, Justified City Primeval co-showrunners and veterans of the original series, Dave Andron and Michael Dinner. Got it. Uh, well, I thought it was a pretty solidly directed episode. I do have to say that after seven episodes of the show, the extremely cool blue color palette has started to wear on me a little bit. Like it, it, it really feels like a choice introduced in color grading to, to make Detroit feel all cold and, and calculating and unfamiliar to Raylan Givens and in stark contrast to Justified's original color palette. It, um, it could be, and I have to say, like, original Justified didn't really have a color palette. <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> not I mean, in, not you in, say that, you say, you know, like, but it it certainly wasn't whatever this no, is. No, you know? it, it was not this cool blue borderline muddy at times uh, palette that we're seeing, which is very much, I blame on Ozark. Um, the mm. darkness of dr dramatic TV was an increasing problem throughout the 2010s. And it wasn't just prestige dramas. Like my parents watch every crappy CBS procedural there is. And they would call me and be like, can you recalibrate our TV? Because this episode is really dark. And I'm like, no, it's just the show. <laughs> it's just your TV is fine. It's, it's just the way that, that it looks. Um, and that has rubbed off on city primeval. I think, the original show, it didn't have really distinctive color grading. If there was a color palette to that series, I would just describe it as natural earth tones. Because yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's, that, that's what I recall, too, is like natural earth tones, which is very different than, than City Primary. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, honestly, if they, if they anthologize Justified and we see like different Raylan adventures mm -hmm. in different places, they could choose a different, hopefully 
brighter <laughs> color palette yeah. for each locale, which could be interesting. Um, but I don't know that we're really going to get more of this. I kind of feel like this got greenlit when everybody was on the um, legacy sequel series bandwagon. And now just, just a couple years later, the landscape of television is so different that I'm not confident we'll get any more of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, fair enough. I think you, you might be right about that. But anyway, uh, overall, it seems like this episode provoked a strong response to Sarah. And for me, I also really liked it. Uh, a lot going on. So why don't we get into the detailed recap? Let's start with what goes on with Carolyn this episode. Now, uh, I, I let me uh, pull back the curtain a little bit. Give you a little behind the scenes look at how this podcast is made. Sarah Mars graciously accepted a cold invite out of nowhere to co-host this podcast with me. And I've had a great time talking about justified with her uh, and hope to work with her again in the future. Um, And she also is the person that generates these recaps that I read every week. And I'll just say as time has gone on, uh, the recaps have gotten more colloquial. Uh, and are written more in Sarah's voice. So if you hear some editorializing more than usual this week, uh, know that that's where that's from. So here we go. (laughs) Okay. Uh, This episode opens with a flashback to Sweetie playing uh, bass with a blues band while young Carolyn watches. That night, Sweetie shows her the bar he's going to build. Uh, Let's pause here for a moment, uh, Sarah, and talk about this this, uh, cold open. Not yet. it's a cold open technically um i uh i've seen a like i feel like i've seen a lot of shows recently where at some point midway through the show they'll like backdoor a pilot into the show or give you like a flashback example i've been watching uh, righteous gemstones and in the middle of episode of season one and two there is an episode called i think interlude something like that where it's basically a flash a whole hour-long flashback into these characters lives before uh, and so at first I was wondering, like, whoa, how much of this episode is going to be a flashback that tells us Sweetie's backstory? I was pleasantly surprised that it was just five minutes and that they shot multiple sequences, multiple locations, multiple scenes of dialogue. Uh, they dressed up this bar set to look really old and like it was under construction. And they put a lot of work into this little cold open segment just to give you a little bit of backstory behind uh, Sweetie and, and Carolyn. I was impressed. I was like, hey, that, that was I didn't expect that. It was nice. And I think I got out of it what they wanted me to get out of it, which is that this is a very sad, tragic, poignant moment for Carolyn. Uh, but what do you think of this cold open? You know, I don't think any of us thought this would happen. So what do you think of this cold open? Um, Sweetie was really good. He was a really good bass player. Uh, lived up to we heard throughout the series, like these little bits that he was kind of known yeah. for being. And he was obviously good enough that at some point he was called to jam with Miles Davis. Um, so to see him actually playing music, it was like, oh yeah, no, Sweetie was really good. And you kind of get this glimpse of like what might have been if he hadn't sort of gotten tangled up with the wrong people and Clement Menzel specifically. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was really, and it was a nice kind of like final coda moment for Vondi Curtis Hall who played Sweetie. Yeah. And yeah. Gave a really fantastic performance throughout the series and seeing a younger, lighter Sweetie, uh, was was very poignant. It was a very nice coda to the character that the last, probably the last we're going to see of him wasn't, you know, I mean, he did go out like a badass, like we said, but it is nice that we get this coda where we get a, a nice moment with him and it's optimistic and Carolyn is there as a child and 
you know, it was, it was nice. It was very, well, to, yeah. it was very sweet. <laughs> yeah. Very well done and kind of cut to present day. And it's very harsh because, uh, it's a stark contrast because he's dead and every, all his dreams are dead, you know, burned down to the ground. And it's like a really brutal, uh, brutal interruption to this dream that he has. Um, but yeah, I actually thought this was a very well executed piece of backstory and salute to the showrunners for putting this in and putting as much work as they did into it. So, okay, cut to grown Carolyn watching the corners take uh, Sweetie away from his burnt out bar. She gets Trinell to finally give Raylan the gun after people have died, naturally. <laughs> Clement goes to Carolyn's house, tells her the tornado story, adds the detail that he killed his mother and just told, or people, uh, told people that a tornado carried her off. Let's pause, talk about these uh, this sequence a little bit. Uh, first of all, I, I share your observation that you put in the show notes that Trinell's apartment is really amazing. I was like, wow, um, this is I, amazing. <laughs> I am apartment hunting in Chicago right now. I think that's a real location because the city has a lot of these old row houses that have been subdivided into three and four flats that they have those big bay windows and all the woodwork. And I'm like, literally like, where, where is this apartment? And is, is there an open house? Can I go see it? Because I think they're trying to imply that they live in a slightly rough neighborhood, but I'm like, this apartment is beautiful. <laughs> I agree. And it's extremely well kept too. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, there is, uh, you know, this moment where like, uh, you know, I think in general, like in TV shows in general, people cooperate with law enforcement a little bit too easily, like more easily than they do in real life at times. But uh, the fact that Carolyn is kind of encouraging Trinell to cooperate does seem to bring him over the line and and um, uh, allow him to hand over the murder weapon. Uh, Carolyn goes home and Clement's already there. And we have compared... Clement Mansell to the Dark Knight's Heath Ledger's Joker in the past, but the comparisons are flooding into overdrive this episode because just like that character, this was a uh, this is a guy who's telling like multiple origin stories, right? Also, uh, if you if if you're not watching the video version of this, uh, Sarah's cat pancake is really excited about this particular plot line. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, uh, anyway, I was like, oh, they're pulling a Joker from Dark Knight where that character told multiple versions of their origin story. And so here we have Clement Mansell talking about murdering his mom and the tornado and how that dies. I mean, it's not strictly uh, conflicting necessarily with the story he told earlier, but it's kind of like a different spin on it. Anyway, what would you make of this whole backstory? Um, I, I think he was the tornado. You know, mm. it's like, I do think it's, it's true that he, they were in Oklahoma. They lived on this like rural farm. He, I, my mind actually went to Forrest Gump because he says his mom was he, basically a sex worker. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's very Forrest Gump <laughs> with Forrest's mom played by Sally Fields. Um, but it, uh, I, I think it was true that there was a big storm and he knew, I think it shows how cunning Clement has always been. Because he knew the storm would be his alibi. Because people die in tornadoes. Like, it happens. So if the authorities, like, rocked up to his house after the storm, and he's like, well, our, look, our house is destroyed and my mom is gone. The tornado carried her off. Nobody's really going to doubt that story. 
So I think it just shows how calculating he is, how reptilian he is, except he had this thing where he had to, he, he basically does the same thing to his mother that he did to Sweetie, where he says, close your eyes. Like he didn't want her last sight to be him killing her, even though that's what he was doing. It's not necessarily the most logical chain of thought, but it does kind of echo what he said to Sweetie. And then Sweetie is like, no, you're going to have to do this looking me in the eye. Um, so yeah, I think Clement was the tornado all along. That's fair. I think the idea uh, that he showed up, um, like he, he said something to Carolyn along the lines of he wanted her to understand where he's coming from, right? Um, I, I think because he wanted her to still be on his side to some degree is, is my sense. Um, but at this point, Carolyn's just completely done with him and, and no one can blame her. So uh, anyway, uh, Carolyn is done with Clement, tries to tell him she won't represent him any, anymore uh, as he threatens her life. Uh, Carolyn tells Raylan a story about how Sweetie taught her to protect herself, then asks him how he's going to get Clement's fingerprints on the gun. When it appears that Raylan has failed to do that, Carolyn goes to the Albanians for help. So yeah, a bunch of different plot machinations going on here. Uh, I thought it was a nice moment between Carolyn and Raylan. The, the, the show is giving them time to just hang out, just have conversations with each other, uh, which I appreciate. And then Raylan goes on this mission, and we'll talk about that a little bit later and what happens with that mission. But Carolyn is, at this point, on a warpath to get Clement. Like, she already failed once last episode, and she is not going to fail again, and she's using kind of desperate measures. We don't really see too much of her interactions with the Albanians this episode, unfortunately. Um, but the fact that she's talking with them at all, I think, means she's crossing all the bright red lines that she's had before. Um, she's been pushed to the edge, and reasonably so. Any other thoughts on this plot line, Sarah Mars? Um, I, I Don't you kind of just wish everyone that she just turned in the gun right away? <laughs> The time to use the gun was in like episode two. <laughs> um, but but Sarah, we needed them to not turn in the gun so that the show could happen. I know. You know? <laughs> but it, it is, I do also wish we had seen a little bit more of her exchange with Toma, the head of yes, the Albanian yes, mafia. Exactly. Same. Mainly because I think Terry Kinney and Anjanu Ellis Taylor would be an interesting actor mashup. I just, yeah, just want to yeah. see that scene play out. But but also, like, it would give us more insight. Like, what is her state of mind? Because it's probably pretty bad. Yeah, and I do point, think that's you know? the I think that's the death knell of her budding relationship with Raylan. I don't think he's going to forgive mm. her taking that step. Because it basically says she's not trusting him to get the job done. Right, right. And what's going to happen with her judgeship application, Sarah? That's what I'm curious about. No, I mean, that's... I don't even know if we're going to follow up with that at this point. You know, like... I mean, knows? I still hope that we get, like, a little things showing that maybe she's got an interview or something that hints that like maybe it could still happen because it's like apparently everybody in Detroit is crooked apparently <laughs> there are no good people <laughs> like, I, don't so she, I don't know so Sarah, i don't know sarah i feel well. like i feel like uh i feel like this this episode really makes you think that the people that you thought were bad might not be that bad and the people that you thought were great might not be that good yeah. People aren't just one thing, Sarah Mars. No, that's People true. Aren't just but one that's, thing. that's like, I don't think she's done anything that would keep her from not being a judge. Like the judge, judge uh, guy who was played by Keith David, he was dirty. 
and the prosecutor who wants to be a judge. She's dirty. And now Carolyn's getting her hands dirty. It's like, they're all dirty. So it might as well be Carolyn. (laughs) Wow. Very bleak, fatalistic (laughs) perspective on the justice system. I, I mean, I do think that at this point, the show has fully embraced the notion that justice cannot be accomplished within the justice system. But who knows? Like, let's see how the finale plays out. But that's seemingly where it is heading, right? Like, I, I did have the thought in this episode that this is a far more cynical yeah. take than the original series. For yeah. as much wild ass wild west shootouts happened in that original series for how many people that Raylan and Boyd and Gutterson and just everybody was killing everybody on on that show for as much as that all went on I feel like this is actually a way more cynical show about the justice system Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well those are our thoughts on the Carolyn storyline this week Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Let's talk about another storyline that occurred this week, Clement Mansell and Sandy. We got a lot of Sandy on-screen time this week, which was nice. Apparently, cops told Sandy that Clement would go away for good last time, and she's so scared of him that she won't testify against him, yet she stays with him because he's quote-unquote fun. Sandy's making plans to flee, first seeking protection from the Albanian that she hooked up with, who tells her she's a dead woman. Then she makes a break for the Bahamas, only to be stopped when Clement reveals he has penthouse owner Del Weems hostage. Sandy just wants another chance to live honest. Uh, and then the last thing she does is she gives Raylan Givens Clement Mansell's location uh, as her kind of last act. I, I, it's possible we might not even see Sandy again in this season. Uh, we'll see. But, Again, I would really love a little flash forward of her on a beach with an umbrella drink, hooking up with that shady dude played by David Cross. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, we got to see Del Weems. We were very curious if we'd see Del Weems this episode. I or legit this thought yeah. that guy was dead in a, in a deep freeze. Like, I just thought, mm. he, I'm like, Clement has already killed this guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but well, no, he hadn't quite. He, I mean, he did kill him this episode, but yeah. Yeah, he's dead uh, in a deep freeze now. <laughs> That was a great moment. Like, that was a shocking moment when I watched it was, I gasped. Because Del Weems, up until this point, has just been an idea, right? He's not actually been a character. And then when he shows up, it's like, oh, wow, something terrible is going to happen. Oh, yeah. And And, and he's just, he's just a poor sucker. Like, he's just, I mean, the the Albanian is a sucker, but he's part of the mafia. So I don't feel too, too bad that he got his leg crushed and is apparently going to have a limp forever. It's like, eh. 
you're in the mafia. Things happen. Yeah. But, but this Del- is like a completely innocent dude. Del that just, Weems yeah. is just a wealthy guy that, that hooked up with Sandy at the casino and now he's dead. And that yeah. is, that is sad. The collateral damage is really racking up. Uh, completely agreed. Completely agreed. Uh, I appreciated the performance of Sandy this week and trying to navigate the uh, Clement situation. You know, she's she's trying to get herself out of the situation with Clement, trying to manage the Clement situation, doing a terrible job of it because she's not really. She's just to falling it. apart at the seams. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or at the weems, as it were. Yeah. No, that's terrible. She's just um, too, like you said in, earlier in the season, she displayed a little street smarts. Like she had a little savviness about her, a little cleverness to her. She is just too stressed. Mm-mm. She's too scared. She's too stressed. Like it, she's just in full flight panic mode. She sold Clement's painting without telling him, which also sets him off. Uh, I, I, <laughs> it is amazing that uh he he is saying that was a stanley garlic and she's like who is stanley garlic which by the way same question that i had watching the show um obviously a fictional painter but uh i thought the most poignant moment in the episode came when she's talking to railing givens at the end and she's saying yeah i kind of want to i kind of want to do things right again and live right and live justly and leave all this behind me and Raylan Givens just does not even acknowledge that part of the conversation. He's just like, I got, I'm taking it from here. Like, don't even worry about it. And I think it's because my interpretation of that was Raylan Givens has seen this movie play out like 18 times, 50 well, times she, already. He's seen, she he's, really yeah. reminded me of Ava Crowder in that moment mm, where yeah. it's like this, this woman who I think it's not a coincidence that she's blonde. Ava was blonde. Raylan has a weakness for blondes. Um, that it's like, just this repeating, like, no, I, I've met you before. I've seen, I've just, I've seen this, like you said, this movie has played out a thousand times before. And I think he just kind of, you know, doesn't even for a second think that ending is coming for Sandy. Like as much as I would love her to be on a beach somewhere with an umbrella drink, I bet she ends up arrested. I mean. Yeah. I, I think she, his... she's an accessory to all of this crap. Absolutely. I, I think he, he is, in his mind thinking it's not even worth acknowledging this because he yeah. knows where this character is going to end up and it's nowhere good. Right. Yeah. It's very fatalistic about, I mean, her Sam. best case scenario, like Ava Crowder, I mean, technically she got away, but we learn from the little flash forward at the end of season six that, I mean, she's living on the lamb under an assumed name. She can't stay anywhere very long because people are still looking for her. So yeah, she quote unquote gets away, but it's kind of a nightmare existence, you know, like it's not yeah. like it's a comfortable retirement that she earned. Like she's on the lamb. That sucks. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, anything else about the Sandy storyline this episode? Um, did I have any other thoughts on Sandy? Oh, she was genuinely upset about Sweetie. I mean, I, I think, I think a lot of people, for a lot of people, Clement killing Sweetie is the one step too far. Mm-hmm. They, they've kind of put up with all of this craziness from him. And then he does that and they're all like, nope, that's the line. I agree. She is she is pretty upset about that because she didn't know about it. She was finding out yeah. in the episode. Um, the other thing is I really loved the conversation that she has with the Albanian guy um, <laughs> where she, she is just grasping at straws. She's like yeah. reaching at anything for safety. She's like, I'd rather be with the Albanian guy and safe than, in, you know, on my own. And 
he reads the situation correctly, which is that she's a in a ch- very challenging situation and he wants to stay away from it. Um, but I thought that was a great conversation and uh, play it out exactly as you one would think it might. So, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, that was Pancake in the background weeping for the death of the Albanian and Sandy's relationship. Let's talk about what happens with Raylan Givens and what goes on with the weapon. And in order to do that, we need to acknowledge a couple things. First of all, we are very bad at our jobs, Sarah. If our jobs <laughs> can be conceived of as predicting what happens in the next episode. Uh, last week, I posited two things, two separate things. One is uh, that there is a mole in the department uh, that is helping Clement Mansell go free. And number two, that Wendell is uh, very likely the mole. And you had kind of agreed with me that that was the case. Now, uh, we got a message over at the decodingtv.com website from Vincent. Thanks to Vincent and also Haley, who agrees with Vincent uh, for their support of this podcast. Vincent writes in, quote, In my opinion, I think it's incredibly obvious that it's Maureen who is the main double agent. Possibly others as well. The conversation earlier in the season where Maureen says she has to live a double life of sorts is the biggest clue. Also, in episode six, she is the one at the center of it all. She's acting chief, has the information from Raylan. She is the one choosing who is assigned to the sting operation. And she's the one who actually lays hands on Mansell and walks him away. Off camera, by the way. She has the opportunity and intelligence to pull one over on Raylan and the rest of the department. The only thing we don't have yet is motive. But it's safe to assume that since she works in a pretty dirty police unit, that she probably has some skeletons in the closet. I think it's so obviously Maureen that if this were a more twisty slash gotcha show, I would actually be thinking that Maureen is being set up uh, set up by the real traitor. I'll come back here next week and eat my words if I'm wrong. End quote. So that's Vincent writing into Maureen. And literally, Vincent commented that, I think, like the day after we recorded the podcast. And I was like, oh! You know, sometimes, Sarah Mars, you, you record something and then somebody writes in something very smart and you're like, oh, like, that's actually true. Uh, I wish we had kind of acknowledged that. But uh, it's also true that Sarah Mars has some really pro Maureen blinders on, I think is uh, is the case. Or or did have them on, right? Sarah Mars was hoping that the show, the show was going to take some leaps away from the book. Mm, <laughs> we mm. can talk more about that later. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I just, Marin Ireland, she's so likable. Yeah. Like her screen presence, her persona as an actor is just... She's good at playing sort of no-nonsense characters that you still feel a warmth from. Mm-hmm. And I just really like they've they made enough changes. And I was like, maybe they're going to do something different. And Raymond Cruz isn't in this story, really. Like, he's a background contextual character. And right. I don't know. I was so like, the fact room- that they changed that is like, maybe they'll change other things. But yeah. you, you, you had suspected, I mean, you knew from reading the book that that Maureen was a person of interest. But in I also show. think they did a really good, good job. I mean, I know Vincent is like, it's obvious it's Maureen. And it's like, really the only sort of hint is there's two moments. It's like, yeah, she is the one who walks Clement Manzella away at the park. And it does go off camera for a moment. So we don't see their exchange. There's no dialogue there. She, she just walks them out of frame. Right. That's true. Um, and then two is when she has that conversation with Raylan where he asks about like, you know, her work life balance. And she says, it's about, you know, pretending. And it's like, yeah, that, but it's also that there's enough 
obviously rotten people around her and she seems comparatively to be i think where they did a good job misdirecting from maureen in the show is she is running down the case the correct way she's checking all the boxes she's doing all the things you're supposed to do to put together a solid prosecutable case and she's like the only one not that not that Wendell is a bad cop, but it's been clear from the beginning that he is tired. He's very close to retirement. He's kind of implied a couple times that like that date is approaching and he's ready to go. Like he's not going to overstay his welcome like Raymond Cruz did. Um, so I think they kind of set up a, a really good basis of like, there's obviously terrible cops like Norbert who's psychotic. And then there's Maureen, who's trying to do things the right way. And then there's Wendell, who's not not trying, but he's clearly just like, I'm ready to retire, man. I've been at this too long. Like, it's time for me to go. Um, the, it, and it also, I have to say, like, the idea of there being a mole really didn't pop up until last episode when it was blatantly clear that someone tipped off Clement Manziel. And as Dave said just before we started recording... Maureen tanking the case against Clement doesn't necessarily make her the same person who tipped off, tipped him off in the previous episode. I think absolutely, it's, yeah. Go ahead. I think it's maybe a little bit too much uh, business. It's just a little bit too much doing to say that that's two separate people. It probably is also Maureen that she's going to be yes. the problem the whole time. But it is sort of interesting that she, what is implied in this episode is that she is tanking the case. She's trying to pin it on Daryl Woods, who was the unhoused veteran um, who found the uh, Rose's body in the park. She's trying to pin it on him to make the case like all wrap up and go away because she's in the book. She wants the book to go away mm-hmm. and for the investigation to stop before anybody gets to her name in the book. Mm. Um, well, I think is that uh, I think you're bringing that from your book knowledge, right? I don't think it's clear that she's in the book from the show at this point. No, I think there's there's a moment where Raylan says, you know, like he he says, "Are you in the book?" Mm. Like he actually she doesn't answer, but it's like the implication is that she, yes, she's I see, in the I book. See. Got it, got it. Um, so there is still like a little bit of wiggle room on the person who tipped off Clement might be someone else, but I do think it's there's only one episode less left. It's too much business for it to be two people. It's right. going to be Marine. Yeah, I, I think that's probably right. I mean, yeah, so, like, what we know about Maureen is that she wanted to make the case go away. Uh, maybe she wanted to get this other guy, Daryl Woods. She wanted to put a win in the book. Maybe she was under pressure from her bosses. Does that mean she tipped off Clement Mansell? I don't know. I also don't think that this episode necessarily exonerates Wendell either. Like, you know, maybe he's involved in some capacity. Because she did choose the people for the sting. Yeah, you know, I so mean, who at knows? this point, I would believe that everybody in that Every department them, is yeah. dirty. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, like that's that's the thing that's different about this show and the original show. In the original show, Raylan was the bad seed. He was the problem. Mm-hmm. Rachel Brooks, Tim Gutterson were very by-the-book deputies. And Gutterson slips. He gets a little bit worse the longer he spends with Raylan because Raylan is rubbing off on him. And Tim has a similar frontier justice mindset. Um, but he doesn't go so far. Like He doesn't go as far as Raylan. Um, Tim pretty well stays coloring within the lines 
We never really find out what happens to him. I'm still super pissed. We don't know what happens to Tim Gutterson. Anyway, um, <laughs> but it, it is like Raylan is the problem child in the first series. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is doing their job. Everyone else is, I mean, there's a few, there's like Hunter Mosley, who's like a sheriff in Harlan County. He's not a great guy. He's dirty. And then there's the whole Drew Thompson fiasco. Um, but generally the other deputies, the police that Raylan is interacting with are at bare minimum, not making things worse. Um, this one, it's a total reverse. Everybody's dirty. Raylan is the only one trying to do this the right way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's talk a little bit more about what happened. So, having gotten the gun from Raylan, I'm sorry, from Carolyn, Raylan gives it to Maureen for ballistics testing. <laughs> it is it is like almost a comical about face, right? Because he's so ex- he's like, if this is the gun, then it means da 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 da. And then he's like, well, you better find out soon. And then next scene, we see her. She's like putting together putting the wrong guy in jail. You know, um, Maureen is going to use the gun to put unhoused veteran Daryl Woods away for the double homicide. Uh, she's in the book. She is the mole. I'm reading. I'm reading Sarah's uh, recap here. Norbert is back, except maybe he's not that bad. He has this twisted sense of justice, but apparently he isn't on the take and doesn't want to knowingly put away an innocent man. He gives Raylan the gun back to use against Clement somehow, some way. All right, let's talk about this. So Norbert comes back and gives this very twisted logic of, "Hey." I put together. I put, I put in. You know, I planted a lot of evidence in my life. Okay, I put people in jail for crimes they haven't committed, but maybe they did other wrong things. Um, But I've never put a guy away just to get a win with no other reason, and therefore I'm going to tank Maureen's case and give you this gun. Uh, Yeah, and 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 so I, I like where it is thematically, like with the rest of the show, which is. Uh, one of the themes of this the show is things are not what they appear. The person who seems nice, like Maureen, that Sarah Mars is rooting for, may in fact be evil. The person who is a complete a-hole, like Norbert, may in fact have some good qualities. You know, like, um, Carolyn has a very complicated backstory. She wants to be a judge, but she also is willing to use the justice system to murder people. You know, like, <laughs> what? Like people are not just one thing. That's, that's one of the themes of the show. Um... What, uh, so so I like that. I like that as a theme, and I think the show does a pretty decent job of getting that theme across. Do I believe that Norbert would actually have any moral issue with what Maureen is doing? I don't know. I don't know that I I buy that. But what well, do you think, we, Sarah? I Mars? mean, so okay, what we get from Norbert this episode and again there's only one episode left there's not enough time to be like oh he could be playing like a double game or a triple game it's like no this is probably pretty straightforward at this point i mean Um, there is still time for more norbert to play double game but i agree with you that it's unlikely i mean i do think he's a total psycho um and a bad cop but it seems like his idea like his version of frontier justice is the system fails and people he knows have done bad things get away. They get they get off. They don't get charged. They don't get sentenced, whatever it is. Like Clement got away five years ago. And he is saying, if I know somebody has done something and they're not going to go down for that thing, I'm okay pinning something else on them to get them off the street. Right. 
And I think that kind of also plays into his shooting of the Albanian, which is I'm okay gunning a guy down in the street if I know he's a bad dude. And like the Albanian was a bad dude. It's still wrong (laughs) and you shouldn't do it. Um, But that is Norbert's sense of justice is if I know someone is a bad person, I am okay going to extreme extrajudicial, I cannot say this word, (laughs) extrajudicial lengths to take care of them. Mm -hmm. And in this case, the person Maureen is trying to pin the case on, all we really know about Daryl Woods is that he's homeless. He's a veteran. He's clearly having some problems. And he, the, the worst thing that he did besides just be in the wrong place at the wrong time and find Rose's body in the park is he burned her with a cigarette to see if she was still alive. So that's, that's the worst thing that he did was he like stubbed, Mm -hmm. like he, he touched her with a hot cigarette and Maureen is now trying to say that he was like full on necrophilia, like just really like, wow. Okay. You're pinning a lot of, you're like, you're doing too (laughs) much. You do not need to go this far. (laughs) Maureen, you are doing, you are being the most right now, Maureen. Yeah. It's it's too much. It's too much. (laughs) Reel it Um, back. But it's, it's. Daryl hasn't done anything. He's not a he's not a bad person. Like he's mm-hmm. he's just a, another unfortunate cog in this broken system. And Norbert knows that. And he's like, this is too much. If she brought in one of the Albanians or whatever, fine. I don't care. But she yeah. brought in this unfortunate person who, you know, just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. So. So I think what you're saying is you think Norbert's actions are completely consistent with the moral code that we've witnessed in Norbert up until this point. Within his own twisted moral code, yes. yes. I think that's probably true. I just feel, and people can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like somebody that has Norbert's moral code generally is not someone that's going to turn against another cop. Like that's... You know, that's what I, that's my guess, but I have no data for that. I'm just kind of throwing that out as a supposition, you know, so he he would probably protect his own. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying is like, which we see in the real world, by the way, like all the time. Um, But I think, like you said before, if he did that, the show wouldn't happen. Somebody has to give (laughs) Raylan back that gun. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I agree with you because. uh, Well, (laughs) I don't know if I agree with you because I I don't think the gun's going to be a huge factor after this week. No, but it's it's the way that it's taken off the board that matters. Sure. Okay. So anyway, Raylan catches up with Sandy and arranges a meet with Clement and tries to convince Clement to have a showdown. The Albanians spoil it, however, and Tomacostia throws the gun off the bridge as Sandy was once meant to do. There is now no clean way to convict Clement. Let's talk about the sequence. Uh, I loved it. It's awesome. Like, it, it, it's awesome because it is such an escalation, I feel, of of what we know about Raylan Givens. Like, the first scene we ever meet Raylan Givens is, I think he shoots uh, that guy at, like, an outdoor party, if I recall correctly, right? At a, a hotel rooftop restaurant. Yeah. Exactly, right. And uh, And now he's, like, indoors in, like, a... A hotel re- restaurant. A hotel, a hotel restaurant, <laughs> but it's indoors, and they're really close up, right? And yeah. in fact, Clement even comments on it. He's like, he says, uh, a bit close, isn't it? You know, like, I think this is too close. And the idea that Raylan is willing to draw indoors, like with potentially innocent bystanders around just to get this guy. 
really shows you that hey, yeah, Raylan, maybe he wants to do things more by the book, but he he real he feels like he's exhausted that that avenue at this point. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to to search for some kind of moral center to the show that doesn't exist. Maybe the show is just trying to be like, we're having fun adventures with Raylan, you know? I don't know that the show is trying to give you some grand overarching arc for Raylan of where where he's come from and where he's going, you know? Um, but I, I did like this scene of the two of them sitting across from each other, uh, intensely talking, and you don't know at any moment if things are going to get extremely explosive. Uh, I just thought it was a really well-done sequence. It's a very good scene. It's a very good scene. And it's also um, Boyd Holbrook, the way he pronounces the word murder in that scene is hilarious. And the more unraveled Clement becomes, the better Boyd Holbrook's performance gets. Um, I mean, I think he's been having fun the whole time, but in that scene, you just can, the, the tension is palpable. The energy is just so kinetic. It's, it's fantastic. And it is kind of a great play on that opening scene in Miami where Raylan is so cool and collected and doesn't hesitate. And here he's actually trying to talk Clement into going up on the roof and having like a gunslinger showdown. Um, he's trying to actually get him out of that room. And, really? You know, they, that, that was yeah, not my, that was not my read of it. My, my read... He says, he says like, we should go upstairs or like he, he says at some point they should go up to the roof. Well, um, my, my, my recollection is he, uh, you know, he he asks um, Clement to take the gun, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Really? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this right here?" And he's like, "Well, we can go up to the roof if you want. We can go outside if you want." But yeah, uh, but my my takeaway from that was Raylan is ready to do this right here, right? Yeah. Now. Oh no, I right. think he would yeah. have for sure. But I do think there's a little bit more if you compare it to that Miami scene from the first season. He's not quite as cool. He's not quite as collected, and he's making a modicum of an effort to be like. He, what he really wants is for Clement to touch the gun and put his fingerprints on it because his prints aren't on the gun. Even if they can link the gun to the murders, they still can't link Clement to the murders unless he physically picks up the gun and puts his fingerprints on it, which Clement is not going to do. So Raylan is trying to provoke him into losing his temper, reaching for the gun, which would both put his fingerprints on it and give Raylan cause to then pull and kill him and say, well, he was going to pull on me. He grabbed the gun. Um, which has been his excuse in the past. Uh, so it, it's kind of like multiple things at play. But I think in terms of like reaching for a moral center for this show, um, yeah, I think to an extent it's like 80, 80 to 85% just having cool adventures with Raylan Givens. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, like I've said before, Raylan isn't really a character. He's an archetype. He's a cool mm-hmm. guy with a hat and a gun just doing cool things um, or things that we're supposed to think are cool. We might not agree. Um but there is a little bit, I think what sort of stands out as the arc is how hard he has tried this season, 15 mm-hmm. years on from the events of the original series, to do things the right way. And in this episode, all those doors are closing. And you can see Raylan getting tenser as every option is taken off the table mm-hmm. because he knows where this is going. He's been trying to avoid it. He's been trying to get Clement the right way to get the evidence, to make the case to, you know, rest, convict prison. Like he's been trying to do that. And so the moral center quote unquote is basically like, sometimes the system doesn't work <laughs> and you, and, and this is what's going to happen. 
Um, and then, we, you know, depending on how it actually plays out, like in the original series, um, it was kind of a mixed bag. Some people, they got clean and they were able to, like Boyd Crowder, they're able to arrest him, put him in jail where they've been trying to put him for six seasons. Avery Markham, they don't get. Avery Markham, who was Sam Elliott's character, the big bad of that season, they don't mm-hmm. get anything on him, but they do drive him out of Harlan. They do run mm-hmm. him out of town, but he he gets away with it, essentially. All this death and destruction that happens around him, and he he is able to just slink back to his home base in Colorado. And then, you know, there's Boone, the crazy gunslinger guy that, you know, Raylan shoots. <laughs> and then there's Ava, who, you know, she also gets away with it. But again, she ends up living like a very stressful life. So it's a mixed bag of some people get justice, quote unquote, the right way. Some people get away with it completely. Some people get more of a karmic justice, which is like Ava, who, yeah, she isn't in jail, but she's in a different kind of prison. And that might be what happens here is it's a, it's a mixed bag of some people get their just desserts and some people don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I think all that's very well said, Sarah. And you're right. He has tried to do it really by the book, but then has found that the book is inadequate to achieve what he wants to do. And so he's willing to literally kill Clement Mansell in the middle of this restaurant. Uh, but that fails when uh, Toma Costia shows up. I like that they had a little bit where uh, he he pays off the their waiter. <laughs> Like or waitress, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, he just gives them a look. So you, it just kind of answers the question of how did he know they were there? Uh, and then they drive out into the the bridge and throw this gun off the bridge. Uh, and I did. On the one hand, I, I, it's a brilliant kind of plot development that they would do that because it's like it, there's something really sad and tragic that this whole episode. There's been so much effort, so much energy around how to get this gun, right? Trinell gives it to Carolyn and then uh, and to Raylan, and Raylan gives it to Maureen, and then Norbert steals it, and Norbert gives it to Raylan, and then Raylan tries to get Clement to pick it up, you know, like, and then for it to just be taught and basically reset the gun to the point we were at in, I think, episode two, when Sandy almost threw it off from the exact same point. There's something really, like, almost Shakespearean about it. Yeah. Uh, and so I, uh, overall, I really love that development. And on the other hand, it's also like, wow, I can't believe all that, you know, to quote Thanos, all that for a drop of blood, like all that just for the gun to end up exactly where it was going to end up in the first place. Right. Yeah. But it, it is, like you said, it is, there is something Shakespearean about it. It's very poetic. And it is that last door closing with the loss of the gun. There is now no way to get Clement for those murders. Like that was it. That The gun was the play. And without it, now there's no chance. Now Raylan knows it is going to be the shootout. Like there's not going to be, it's going to be what Raymond Cruz said. Sometimes it doesn't end any other way. Um, well, on that note, I mean, you did just do a really good job running down possible outcomes for the big bad. Uh, they escape, they escape, but with caveats, like they end up trapped in a hell of their own design. You know, they are killed. They get put away. I think we both believe that this ends in a shootout with Clement dying, right? Yeah. You cannot leave a character like Clement Manziel alive. Like you can't. Why, why, why not? Why not, Sarah, in your conception? Because it would constantly beg the question of where is he? What is he doing? He's too dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I think Raylan knows that from the moment he encounters Clement. He's like, oh, this is not yeah. someone I can leave. I can't leave this guy alive. Like, 
I'm going to have to do something. And he's trying to do it the right way. He's trying to be a different, better type of law enforcement officer. Uh, But now he's backed into that corner of like, no, this is going to go the way this always goes. I actually was thinking of, this is like a weird, you brought up Thanos earlier. I was thinking of um, the moment in Captain America Civil War, which this remains one of those itches. And I'm like, there was a thread here that they didn't pull. When Cap goes to Bucky and says, you know, you can come in, this doesn't have to end in a fight. And Bucky, just like with total Sebastian Stan being a great actor, total palpable weariness saying it always ends in a fight just expecting no other outcome and i thought about that moment at the end of this episode where i was like raylan knew this is where this was gonna go he tried to cover his bases he tried to do it the right way like carolyn said but he knew you know this is where it was gonna go and with the loss of the gun you can kind of see it on his face of just like all right well this is now we're here yeah (laughs) all right well, uh, any other thoughts of this episode, Sarah Mars, or any predictions for the finale? Anything we want to see in the finale? This is the last opportunity. Well, I will say in terms of like trying to predict what happens, I, I actually don't think that's our job. It's fun to do. Like, it's fun to <laughs> I think like, I this is what I think is going to happen. This is what you yeah. think is going to Those conversations right. are yes. fun. Yes. But it, it's, I never put anything in those. I'm never mad when a show goes a different way because it's like, you made no promises. <laughs> You know, correct, if I didn't, correct. if I didn't read the road signs right, or if I was hoping that you'd take a bigger swing from source material or something like that, that's on me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, in terms of predictions, I think, I think, I do think it will end with Clement dead. I do. Cause this is a character. He, you just cannot leave him alive. Like mm-hmm. he has to be dealt with in that way. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. I, I just think it's going to end up being that mixed bag of some people are going to, I wouldn't be surprised if in some fashion, I wouldn't even be surprised if Raylan isn't the one who kills Clement because they're in the custody of the Albanians who also want Clement dead. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that maybe goes down that way. Like maybe Raylan isn't the one who pulls the trigger. That wouldn't shock me. And maybe that's quote unquote, the moral center is he doesn't have to be that person anymore. Um, You know, and he has been okay with other people doing the dirty work before. So I feel like the, if, if, Raylan isn't the one that kills Clement. If the Albanians kill Clement, I feel like the kind of moral of that story is that this is basically a world that where law enforcement has no real useful place, right? Where it's just like, uh, there's there's chaos and brutality out in the world. And, um, sometimes the monsters eat each other and like, there's nothing that really law enforcement can do in that equation. That, that honestly would be a more interesting outcome to me than Raylan, this, you know, because we've seen the story of the lawman takes law into his own hands and kills the guy so many times, like thousands of times at this point in in our popular culture. So uh, now we've also seen the other story too, but like I think fewer times. And so that would be a more interesting ending to me if the Albanians were the one that killed Clem, uh, Clement. You know? Yeah. 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 But I, I would kind of like. Is there going to be some sort of house cleaning at Detroit PD? Like, is is that mm-hmm. book going to have like a final act where somebody, Raylan or Carolyn or somebody, uses it to clean house and get some of those dirty cops and dirty judges and dirty prosecutors and just everybody's crooked? Just if do they use it to sort of reset the system in some way? Um, that would be interesting to see. Or are we just done with the book? You know, did the book, like the gun, did the book serve its purpose in the last okay. episode? All right. I'm, 
I'm 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 putting my I'm shooting my shot here. I'm calling it right now. Okay, this is this is my predictions for how the the show ends. Okay. Uh, a Raylan survives. I think that's obvious. There is a tearful reunion between Raylan and Willa at some point, probably in person, possibly over the phone. No, I think it'll uh, be in person. Pro- probably in person. I, I I said probably. Uh, Clement ends up dead at the hands of. Somebody who's not Raylan. Okay, putting that out there. And then the very last shot. Spoilers for the graphic novel and the film by Zack Snyder, Watchmen. Okay. <laughs> but the very so spoilers for that thing coming up, right? So give your I'll give you five seconds to like tune out. But the very last shot of the show mirrors something in Watchmen, which is like, if you recall the end, I assume you've seen Watchmen or read Watchmen. Once I saw it once a long time ago and I haven't revisited the graphic novel in a very long time. Okay. So Watchmen, a large portions of it are being narrated by one of the characters named Rorschach. And he's like Mm -hmm. Rorschach's journal, Mm -hmm. you know, the world will look up and whisper, save us. And oh, I'll whisper, no. yeah. And then, and then okay. at the end of the movie, at the end of the book and the movie, he sends his journal to a journalistic organization, like a, uh, like a watchdog you know, group. Yeah. Watch yeah. So, some, some somewhat respected journalistic organization in that world. And in the very last scene, uh, definitely of the book, I think of the film too, is they get the journal. Yeah, so I, I think the last shot of the movie is the journal sitting in the inbox tray on somebody's desk at this like newspaper yes. organization. So I'm going to predict that the very last shot of Justified City Primeval in some way involves the journal. Like the 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 book ends ends up in someone's mailbox or you see, yeah. you see a shot of it um like in some guy's house where Clement has hit it or where Maureen has hit it. And someone's about to pick it up or they pick it up. And like, that's, that's the end of the show. So I, I think a great ending would be Wendell dropping the book in like the mailbox mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with like the name of the Detroit paper written on the cover or right, something. Right. Like, something, something like that. Like yeah. he's yeah. going to do like his, his last act before he retires. Cause Wendell is so ready to go. People, yeah. I've, I've seen a couple of comments of people being like, "Are you so against Wendell?" I'm not. It's he's just clearly very ready to retire. He has said he's ready to retire. <laughs> Let the man rest. Um, but I the think anger be, against Wendell must be stanched. <laughs> I, I think it would be uh, really kind of poetic if it comes from him. It's like the last mm. sort of major thing he does is put that on its way to doing some good in the city because. Like Carolyn said, it could bring it could bring the city down. But it's like, okay, well, maybe if it's that bad, then the city probably needs city probably needs it. <laughs> like, yeah, it's probably time to do some extermination, some pest cleaning, some house cleaning. Um, so yeah, that would be that would be nice. But I actually, yeah, that would be a nice ending. But I wonder if the last shot would be Raylan versus that. Like if we're Perhaps. talking literally, literally, what is the last shot of yeah, the yeah, thing? it would probably end on Raylan and Willa. I am still wondering about that glass shard. Somebody, somebody actually commented that it's not a glass shard. By the way, I don't know if you saw that. I think that, it's but... actually a, a Pontiac hood ornament. Yeah, it's a Pontiac hood ornament. So people were like, yeah. "Why are you calling it? Why are well, you calling it a glass shard, Sarah Mars?" I think Willow calls it that at one point. Uh, okay, got it, um, got it. But it is, it is like a Pontiac hood ornament. Um, I think I said that in like one of the early episodes when she picked it up. I was like, "I think yeah. that might be a Pontiac hood ornament." Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but they're kind of ambiguous about what we don't get a close up look at it. And she, I think she calls it a flash shard. And I don't think that's going to come back at all. I'm just, I'm going to predict that. I don't think that comes back at all. I but, see, but this is why, like you were saying earlier, like you you suspect yeah. that what happened is that mid production they were yeah. like, we don't, we just we need yep. to cut this whole thing. Is I think that's one of those things that, like, I think they were setting something up that isn't mm-hmm. going to happen because they ran out of runway and yeah. they went, we don't have time for this. We just got to cut this whole thing off. Final um, qu- final question, uh, Carolyn. Where do we think she ends up? You know, I, I think she's probably still alive at the end of this. Oh yeah, I think um, she's still alive. I but, would really. I would but really he, love to see her like going into an interview or something for the judgeship. I don't actually like, it would be great to see her like banging the gavel, but like really I think the thing would be to say that that opportunity is not over for her. Like we don't know for sure that she gets it because you have to go through like a nomination process. But if we just saw that she's still on that path, pursuing that dream, I think that would be, that would be a satisfactory ending for Carolyn. I'm going to go in the opposite direction and say that the decisions that she's made this season have made her irredeemable. Like she has turned on her own client twice. But at he's this point. fucking insane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if her she, client she's was like using, a halfway decent has, person. <laughs> she has blackmailed a prosecutor. Who's to... dirty and helping <laughs> bad cops stay on the force. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I don't um, think Carolyn has done anything irredeemable. I think she is one thing that I think is like, you want to talk about like thematic elements of the whole season. One thing that I think is at play here is the system. And we know this in real life, you know, like the system isn't perfect. It doesn't always work. Innocent people end up in jail. Guilty people end up free. Like we know that, but I think what they're doing in city primeval specifically is the system is so broken. It's, toxic and that toxicity is leaking into everything and everyone around the system that's why it's like oh everybody's dirty the prosecutor's dirty the judge is dirty all the cops are dirty carolyn is morally very conflicting like it's that it's that it's the poison leaching into the groundwater and killing everything as a result and so i think in terms of like, oh, Carolyn's done these bad things, but it's like, yeah, she's turned on her client twice, but the the constitutional right is to a good defense, not that Carolyn Wilder is your lawyer. <laughs> she's allowed to turn down work, and Clement is a fucking nightmare who just murdered her father figure. Okay, okay, let me him. let me revise <laughs> let me revise my statement and say irredeemable is too strong because if she's done irredeemable things then certainly Raylan has done irredeemable things yeah. so that's that's too strong of a word that's too strong of a word but i think the idea that she's just going to get back on that track to judgeship doesn't jive with me uh doesn't gel with her arc this season in my but opinion but here's the thing like we saw at the beginning judge like, guy like the justice system has failed her this season so like oh, yeah, why would sure. why would a good ending for her be to invest further into it I don't know. Like that, that wouldn't add up for me, but I'm not saying that that's impossible. It just, I don't, that's not the one, the ending that I think would make the most sense. Um, but yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, um, Sarah. I'll, I'll give you the last word on this. I think we just, we saw Judge Guy in that opening episode dealing with Raylan and his, you know, locking people in trunks nonsense. And he handled it really well, where he basically says, no, you mm-hmm. crossed a line and therefore anything attached to Florida is off the table now. That, but they're still here in Michigan where they're wanted for crimes in Michigan. So that's, so we saw J- Judge Guy actually did the things you want to be done in that scenario, which is he's not ignoring 
that Raylan crossed a line. He's not ignoring that he impeded on their civil and human rights. And there's a consequence to that, which is that the Florida charges are dropped because Raylan tainted it. And then we learn later that he's dirty. Okay, Judge Guy being a son of a bitch who keeps a black book of everybody's names and bribes going on in the city and taking bribes himself and all these other things didn't stop him from being a okay judge <laughs> at least okay. some of the time. And if the system is this fucking broken, is Carolyn worse or status quo or maybe slightly better? Like, again, I don't think she's done anything irredeemable. And I also think if we see her still on the process to becoming a judge, the assumption is not that she gets it. The assumption is that she's still pursuing it. And it could be, well, maybe these things do. I mean, it's it's not what the series is about. It's kind of like Succession, where people are like, oh, what happens next? And the creator, Jesse Armstrong, was like, well, the show was about this. And so now the story is over. And whatever happens next is not this story. And it's kind of the same thing here. It's like Carolyn becoming a judge isn't the story. But for me, it would be... I would be totally fine seeing that she's still pursuing it um, because then we don't know for sure. Maybe she doesn't, maybe you can think, well, she's pursuing it. That doesn't mean she's going to get it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think Sarah, you're probably right. I'm going to put that out there. I think you're probably right about Carolyn. So uh, I, I'm, I don't feel really strongly the opposite direction or anything like that. I, I do think- not think she ends up with Raylan. I think that I, ship has the- now sailed. <laughs> I think that's true. You- <laughs> I I would agree with you um, <laughs> because theoretically, I mean, not intentionally, but she did kind of put Raylan in danger this episode, you know? Yeah, um, she fully sold him out. And earlier you said like he, he tipped the waitress. Toma tips the waitress at the Radisson Airport Hotel Bar and Restaurant. <laughs> I love, yeah. I love, this is what I love about Justified. They're so specific. It's the Radisson by the airport. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you said that's how they knew they were there. I think Carolyn told him because Raylan told her. Oh, no, no, no. We, we, we know that. Yeah, okay. And I, I think I, he was tipping the, the waiter to not, the waitress to, to not say anything that they were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair, fair point, fair point. You're right, you're right about that. Because there is a scene where Carolyn's on the phone with Raylan, and then you find yeah. out she's with Toma. So, yeah, uh, I, I got that a little bit wrong. So, you, you're right about that. You're right about that. Um, but it is interesting to see how he greases the wheels of the city. Yes, you know? absolutely. Um, okay. Well, last chance... To, to say anything about what, where you think the series will end. And of course we are interested in where, what your predictions are because they're probably going to be more accurate than ours. So feel free <laughs> to send them, send them into decoding TV at gmail.com. Well, and there's also the fact of like, I, I just don't know how much of this is going to play out like the book because there have been some fundamental changes, some mm-hmm. things they are sticking to and some things they are not. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. think Raylan is the wild card of how much do you adhere to the established character archetype of Raylan Givens, which has certain rules and how much do you adhere to the book, which has a different set of rules? I, I think how the th- things between Clement and, and Raylan play out will really dictate what the show is trying to say or how it's saying it. If Raylan doesn't have a hand in killing Clement, that will be a very like no country for old men style ending for this season, which I, I would really support. But yeah. I think, but also. I should acknowledge, I think a lot of people would find that very unsatisfactory. <laughs> yeah, I think at this you point, know? people do want to see the showdown. I, right, think, I right. think there's a desire to see to have it come full circle and have it be those yeah. two facing off. But it also would echo his handling of Nikki Augustine, 
which is that he sort of right. let the mob deal yes, with their own. Exactly. Like exactly, he, yeah. he kind of like, like you said earlier, sometimes the monsters eat their own and it's like, he just sort of stood by and let that happen. And so maybe that's this case too. On that note, I am really curious why the Albanians took Raylan with it. Like, why did they just not take Clement with him? You know what I mean? Like that was, that was odd to me. Like well, uh, he's why... part of it because Toma told him when they met face to face, I think he yeah. kind of gave him a warning of like, get out of this or you're part of it. Like it's, yeah, I but he's in it now. I, I, I get that, but it's like they could have just taken Clement, and I, I you know, yeah, what, they could have just taken gonna, Clement. They're not going to kill. They're not going to kill Raylan because he's he's law enforcement. So it's like, <laughs> anyway, whatever. Yeah, it's, maybe they're just they're giving Raylan a front row seat to whatever is going to happen. So. I just keep. I can't believe we've gotten through seven hours of this show, slightly less because they're forty minute episodes. But yeah. um, no one has brought up <laughs> Raylan's role in bringing down the Detroit mob 15 years ago. <laughs> Not one mention. Like, they bring up the Albanians and the implication that they're pretty well running the city. Mm-hmm. And I did look it up. The hot dog stand where Skinder, the Albanian, whose leg is broken, um, was working, it's it's called Tirana Hot Dog. I'm like, I don't think that's... We have a lot of hot dog stands in Chicago. I don't think that's one of them. It's not. Tirana is the name of a city in Albania. And so I think the implication is that the Albanians are kind of running Detroit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, okay, did, did they, did they clear the way for the Albanians 15 years ago? Is this in a roundabout way, those chickens coming home to roost on Raylan? We're probably never going to know because there's, there's some things that I think they very smartly leave ambiguous. And then there's other things like the fate of Tim Gutterson, where they're just denying us information. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's gonna be a uh like a piece of text that appears right after the show ends <laughs> that's gonna be like you know Raylan died three minutes after this episode ended and by the way tim gutterson lived out the rest of his life at blah, blah, no blah, I'm, you know? I'm expecting like a poochie died on his way to the home yeah. planet but i have yeah, to say yeah. when they first announced this show in 2021 and that they were going to make Raylan the protagonist and i thought well that's a, already like you're taking a huge swing away from the book I thought Tim would be like the sort of natural sieg into bringing Raylan to Detroit. Now they did it with just the total random coincidence of these Mm -hmm. guys hitting him in Florida. And it turns out they're wanted in Detroit. So he takes them there and that's his entrance into the city. But it was just so strange at the end of the original series where they did such a good job tying it all up and showing you, or at least telling like, Rachel's running the office in Seattle. Art has retired. Raylan's back in Florida. Willa seems to be doing okay. Like all they tell you, like Boyd's still in prison. Ava's on the run. You know, like they, they tell you and very conspicuously do not mention Tim that I was like, this is an opportunity to like, tell us what happened to Tim 15 years on, but no, we just still don't know what happened to the best deputy in Kentucky. I'm glad you're letting it all out right now, Sarah, because this is, this is, <laughs> we're at the end, you know, we're basically at the end game here. So just my um, own personal frustration. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh 50% of Sarah's rant about the fate of Tim Gutterson. You can hear the other 50% next week when the when show we does absolutely to not know. <laughs> yeah. As we continue to not know what happens to Tim Gutterson. Okay. Uh, Sarah Mars, you want to tell people where they can find more of your work on the internet this week? Um, my late, my work is on laneygossip.com and my film and TV reviews appear on Rotten Tomatoes under Sarah Mars. Uh, it's like the planet with two R's and all my social media handles are at Cinesnark, but that's a cesspool. Who's there anymore? 
I'm, I'm really trying to stay off it. So like I'm there in theory. Fully support. Um, and uh, email us. Let us know what you think of the podcast at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find video versions of the show at youtube.com slash decodingtv. Become a paid supporter at decodingtv.com. Support this podcast to keep it going. All right. Sarah Mara's favorite quote from the episode? Oh, it was um, it was uh, Toma. And he says sometimes... Oops. Well, how did that go? Sometimes the old ways are the only ways. Yes. Yeah. Which I think is big time foreshadowing for next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked uh, the scene where uh, like the whole dynamic between Sandy and Clement was pretty good this episode. And I liked the part where uh, he's trying to ask her what's wrong. And, you know, she says, Oh, nothing, nothing's, nothing's wrong. And he says something along the lines of, uh, I think, I think the exact quote is nothing from nothing is nothing, but it's gotta be something which combines Boyd Holbrook's folksy charm with his menacing undertones uh, that he brings to all of his roles. And I have to say that his thing with Sandy this week, that sex scene was very upsetting. Yes. Like it was really, really, that was, it was very well handled on screen. Yeah. um, But it was, it was a very upsetting moment on behalf of Sandy. Well, we've seen two sex scenes this season. I think. Mm -hmm. Right. And one of them was in, I think the first episode when they're Mm -hmm. kind of uh, vigorously having sex, that's consensual. And then this episode when it's very clearly non-consensual or Sandy is at the very least extremely unhappy about it. It's it's, it's pure survival. She can't, she, she cannot say no to him in that moment. Yeah. So, Uh, and yeah, it's it's you know these sex scenes kind of show the arc of their relationship. This yeah, this well, season, when so. people say like it doesn't move the plot or whatever, it's like these two sex scenes really do because it's that deleterious effect of Clement Manziel on everyone around him. Where we first meet Sandy and she's a pretty happy-go-lucky. I mean, she's like a con woman, but she's pretty upbeat and seems to be sort of enjoying things and having a good time. And then by this moment, it is like, no, this is what it has become. She's afraid. She is literally afraid for her life. She cannot say no to this man in this moment. And it's just very upsetting for her as a character moment. Indeed. We are very grateful for everyone who's followed our coverage of justified city primeval this season. uh, And we look forward to, chatting with you about the season finale when it hits next week. She is Sarah Mars. I'm David Chen. Until then, we'll see you later. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 